Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast, take two. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brunts and Christofferson. I'm back from the Bahamas, and as you can tell from the soothing sounds of my voice, I'm in a very good mood. Like the waves gently crashing onto the beach, that's how your voice sounds to us. I mean, that's one of the great phenomenons in life, is when you spend time in the ocean, you get hit by the waves, and then you do it enough that when you leave, you sort of still have that feeling. Like when you ride a roller coaster... You still kind of feel like you're on the roller coaster after. I had that a couple times the past few days. It was nice. Was it a uh, kind of like a Stella got her groove back situation for you down there? Uh, I don't know about that. I wouldn't say that I had lost my groove. Um, it was good. It was relaxing. It was short, far too short. Uh, no offense to, to either of you. I don't want to be mm. here uh, today. But here I am, and here I shall be. It was good. It was, it was a good trip. I uh, I heartily endorse the Bahamas as a vacation for those that can swing it, and I think that they would enjoy themselves. Yet you were DMing me from there about Kirk Cousins. Yeah, well, I wanted your, your <laughs> thoughts. I didn't know that this was going to be a thing. Uh, I didn't give you much, and part of it was I was trying to do you a solid. I was trying to be like, you know what? You need to back away from Kirk Cousins right now and enjoy enjoy that ocean. You got to understand that, you know, I spent seven hours at the beach mm-hmm. the same day, and then you go off and you're sitting around waiting for the waiter to bring you food, and you got your phone like. I got you. I got you. It was it was an innocent moment. I apologize. Is that how you also ended up going all in on Montel Jordan? That was an entirely different situation that involved white Russians and wine and bad club music being played in the resort and everything else. I, I stand by it. That song is overplayed and it's not that good. But you stand by the idea that Montel Jordan only had one notable song? I mean, I that's the <laughs> one that seems to be the more erroneous of my opinions the song you're arguing about was what which one uh this is how we do it yeah i'm a as i mentioned i really enjoy let's get it on tonight so is that <laughs> like a remix of the the previous let's get it on by like marvin gay no no this is an entirely different so he just adds one word <laughs> and it's a whole new level yeah, there's all montel jordan spin on it i feel like you're getting to the heart now of the genius that is montel jordan <laughs> Let's take something good and let's make it better. Yeah. All right, well. You look good. I I can't think of all the lyrics right now. I should look them up, but. I'm surprised you don't know them by heart. Yeah, I could could sing along if you started playing it, but I'm not going to. Let's not do that. It's just a little (laughs) strange that that's a hill that you're willing to die on. It it, it was just a very specific, very odd hill. That Tuesday at the, the bar in my resort. Uh, in the Bahamas, I just I didn't want to bottle up my feelings on Montel Jordan anymore. I've never enjoyed the song. I didn't enjoy it then. I was set off by the fact that the Cupid Shuffle was being played, and I think it's one of the worst songs ever. And if you have a wedding coming up this year and you listen to this podcast, do everyone a favor, put that on the Do Not playlist for your DJ. Underline it if you have to. You can include the cha-cha slide, the electric slide, whatever else. No, You're, don't play those. Those are terrible. Would you like to hear the beginning lyrics to get it on tonight? Yes. As long as you do it spoken word style. Ooh, ooh, wee. Oh, oh. <laughs> when I'm looking at you, I keep thinking, why can't she be like you? So I'm scheming. I can't go on like this, believing that her love is true. Oh, Standing on the dance floor while she tricking. <laughs> you are all I want, girl. She's a chicken. We might be together, but love is missing. Girl, I want you. So what can we do? Oh. Then he gets into the chorus. Girl, if it's all right, let's go somewhere and get it on tonight. I'm impressed that he was <laughs> able to rhyme something with chicken. <laughs> chicken. That's it. <laughs> I'm impressed with your slam poetry style reading of of that song there. Yeah, um, when I was in college, we were there was a class where we were asked to um, give a song that meant a lot to us, and we were <laughs> supposed to read it out loud. And as a joke, it was kind of a smaller class, so everybody was kind of grew close knit and had fun with it. And I uh, 
I did back that ass up by juvenile. <laughs> and the the professor let me read it and was everybody was humored by it. Um but then he told me I needed to do it again next class and come up with a real like a he didn't think that was a true expression of what I wanted. <laughs> Did you, you should argue with him. <laughs> well, I don't know. I real I kind of I I that was I was an oddball. I'm an oddball as you guys are figuring out. So I I do weird stuff like that sometimes. This is not where I thought the podcast would be three minutes in, but... I mean, we could transition to something like... I can read that one, too. I mean, I know that one by heart. It's like, use a big, fine woman, won't you? <laughs> you know? I remember reading it. I remember, like, practicing it. You practiced? Yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah. It was a class of, like, 15 people. Did you have to have it memorized when you went up there? No, I read oh, it from... Okay. A, right. It was a really dumb assignment, I gotta say, but... Do you have index cards? No, it was, I just said, like, you're just supposed to, I don't, I don't even know what the purpose is, to be was, honest. Were there other notable songs you remember other people getting up and reading and you thinking, why in the hell would you do that? Everybody took it pretty seriously, <laughs> as I remember. So that <laughs> kind of separated me. Um, I ended up doing a Beatles song. Norwegian Wood, I think. All right. Well, this is, I, like I said, I think people are understanding the new joy of this podcast is learning new BC facts every week. I mean, we, Runza last week was so strong. I actually went and ate Runza that day. I got frings mm-hmm. because of our conversation. And then they had, the, the, like they were listening to us at halftime of the Husker game, they had a Runza yeah, rapping contest. Last last home game of the year, they always do that Runza rapping contest. Oh, yeah. And I, I believe Runza Restaurants ended up favoriting a few tweets they after did. I tagged them in the tag them in BC in the. I got a little worried when you did that because I thought like maybe Runza will disagree with how I explain wrapping the Runza and like I didn't want to get in a dis- debate yeah. with Runza. Well, then on the Twitter kid, about the kid that won the competition started tweeting at me too, and he was defending himself because the Runzas were frozen, so that that made it more difficult. Yeah, it was a weird day. It was like the day, the day Mike Riley got fired, I made a joke on Twitter while we were waiting for him to come out about having kind of a cold Southwest burrito. And the people at Scooters figured out that someone figured out, I guess there's only so many places that make Southwest burritos, that it was them. And so Scooters like came at me a little bit about it while, while I'm waiting for... I love it so much. This is so great. All right. So I was gone. Uh... Things were great in the Bahamas. When I wasn't tweeting at BC about Kirk Cousins, what was I missing in Nebraska? What was going on? Fill me in. All the details. Well, there was um, there was a basketball game. You missed. Yeah, se- let's start there. You let's, missed let's senior start day. Start with basketball, and we'll do football to finish. You missed senior day. Um, Nebraska beat Penn State. I heard about that. Yeah, handily. They're. Uh, what else do you want to know? I mean, there uh, was. This non-official uh, no-sit Sunday was the atmosphere pretty good. Uh, it was kind of section by section. I feel yeah, like. our section the, didn't stand. Yeah, two hundred nine wasn't having any of that. There was, and it was a lot of people too, or like people towards the back of the section, just kind of like begrudgingly standing up because they couldn't see around. Like that one guy in front of them who's wearing like a, you know, game worn Andrew White jersey, and they can't see around him. So there, there actually is a guy. There. I know. Um, he was in the front. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I didn't know if you knew this individual, but this person does exist. Yeah, I, I know see he him does. Often. He has a Shang Ping jersey too. Oh, nice. Same uh, guy. Same guy. I've seen the jersey. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so you you guys have you go to baseball games, you go to senior team play, you notice when someone's wearing like. I don't know what it would be for the Twins, but whenever I go to a Royals game and somebody's wearing a Mark Tien jersey, it makes me Yeah, like me a laugh. Denny Hawking jersey yeah, for the Twins. Yeah. And so there's various Nebraska basketball players that I've seen pop up throughout the years. Like I've seen uh, a Strobridge. I have seen Quincy Hankins Cole, mm-hmm. who lasted all of a semester, I think. <laughs> um, J.R. Strobridge is a good one. Yeah, Brian Conklin. <laughs> yeah. I've seen Brian Conklin. Uh, so there's just... You, I enjoy whenever. I mean, Andrew White is like almost too good to be in the group of. I mean, 
Ping is very, very deserving of being in that group. I mean, in, in kind of a in something else you missed, and I texted you this, I, I broke the si- the veil of silence while you're in the Bahamas to tell you that I was watching a game where Jorge Brian Diaz was playing yeah, against the United States for random, Puerto Rico. Random. T- I thought he was done with basketball. No, he's apparently playing professionally in Argentina, from what I understand. Did they give him two new feet or something? No, he looks like it hurts to watch him run. Really? Yeah, but um, you missed that. Um, you sure it wasn't just Jacob Hammond? I'm 99% sure that it was Jorge Brian Diaz because he was skilled from the outside, which I was impressed by. I've always felt like if you just took the beard off of Jacob Hammond, there were similarities there. Well, sure. I, I think if I were to have a random Husker jersey, I'd go with Kelly Lively, who I've brought up before on this show. He was like a ninth or 10th guy. Maybe I'm doing a disservice. He might have been like the 8th guy on the 91 team. Mm-hmm. And there was a game... Some will remember this. In the first round of the Big 8 tournament, Nebraska rallied from like 15 back in the final three minutes against Oklahoma, and Keith Moody hits a three at the buzzer to send it to overtime, and then they end up winning it. And they had incredible foul trouble, as I remember, in that game, and Kelly Lively was called on. And I was just quite taken by it as a young kid that Kelly Lively was contributing at that moment. So that that would be your choice for... Yeah, he still shows up to the, uh, you know, when they... Name the old guys. Any anybody specific for you? Tony Wilbrand would probably be towards the top oh, of my yeah, list. That's I think. Good. I played basketball against Tony Wilbrand. Did you? Yeah, in a uh, YMCA championship rec league game, Tony Wilbrand, Seth Henry, and Ray Gallegos were playing. So, <laughs> as subs for the two teams that couldn't fill out their squads in the championship game on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I was subbing as well yeah. and had the fun task of guarding Tony Wilbrand at my six foot two height versus his what, six eight? Yeah. How'd that go? Poorly. I airballed a three in my only shot attempt. <laughs> <laughs> like it was bad. It was it was very bad. Clifford Scales would be another good one. He was kind of from that late eighties, early nineties era. Number twenty three, I think. Those, okay. are, those are my uh, entries. You get like a Jerron Boone athletes in action jersey. He came yeah. back, or like Team Pella window. I remember that. Like he that. played against Nebraska. Yeah. Do you remember when Jerron Boone hit a shot on a Saturday afternoon game over the backboard? He was falling out of bounds as like time expired in regulation. It was at Oklahoma, I think. I don't know. And this. it would have won the game. And the ball couldn't go over the backboard so they they took they wiped it off and Danny Nee kind of lost his crap about it and wow. they ended up losing the game that's got to be on youtube somewhere right i was sure it was an amazing shot um it was like one of those 1245 or games on you know philip 66 yeah i don't i don't even know <laughs> if it was to that point yet <laughs> but it was yeah it was it was something like that it wasn't Studio 66, I don't believe, was in play yet, but it was Philip 66 sponsored. Yeah. So, to what you missed, um, yeah, kind right. of more of the same, <laughs> I think. You know, Nebraska was very good defensively in that game. Um, Penn State obviously missed Mike Watkins. Uh, you missed the Big 12 continuing to run off wins and losses in the bloodbathiest of bloodbath conferences. I don't think I missed it. Um, well, you, you missed Oklahoma down by 30 on the road um, while they were discussing their NCAA tournament hopes in the midst of their eighth loss in their last nine games. That's what set off my whole return to Twitter, which led to Montel Jordan. Yeah. So it's it, actually Oklahoma's fault. Yeah. I, I blame Trey Young. Um, so that's kind of what you missed. Nebraska is in New York now, preparing most likely for Michigan in that 4-5 matchup. And then a week of bubble talk to follow as everybody else plays their conference tournaments because Jim Delaney really, really wanted this gate, this tournament in New York City. Oklahoma 17-12, and 12, by the way. Jeez. Yeah. <clears throat> They're in a three-way tie, I believe, with Baylor, Texas, and them, right? Mm-hmm. And, and all three are expected in the tournament. Right. Including Texas, who has, what, four more wins than losses right now total? Pretty much everybody, I think, in the Big 12 is in the tournament right now with the exception of Iowa State. Oklahoma State. I think they're not in either. They're not even in the discussion? I think they've sort of fallen off the pace. They have. How bad would it have to be? quality wins than some people. How bad would it have to be to be out of 
out of the bubble talk in the Big 12 right now. Like, that's got to be pretty bad, right? You would think. you got to be like 13 and 18. Maybe. I mean, you're if you, you, you got to win in November. You're like you're, first you're four out if you're yeah. 13 and 18. Yeah. Lenardi's <laughs> watching you very closely. I, well, it was interesting to me, though, that because I, I didn't think – I never think about this part of it, but Bill Moose on his radio show the other day, when we wrote this on our site, what he said, but, you know, he was talking about he's not going to gripe. What's done is done. The tournament is what it is. You're not changing it, uh, the Big Ten tournament. And he was going to use that extra week to get on the phone, basically, and uh, do a little lobbying, which I I don't know. There's there, I, I, I never really think about that, but that stuff must go on like nobody's business this final week, just yeah. like they do with bowl games. Iowa State's 4-13 and in a very, very tough Big 12 conference, by the way. Oklahoma State has the same conference record as Oklahoma, who's in the tournament at seven and ten in conference play. Um, yeah, it's funny, you know. It's just another example of kind of like with Bill Moose, where you're like, "Look at the balls on this guy!" Like he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lobby." Just yeah, says sure. it. Yeah, yeah, he just says it out loud. I don't think a lot of guys would say that out loud when he was, I. When he was saying it, I was thinking, like, I don't know if a lot of athletic directors would actually go public with that. When you tweeted about it, I think I saw this, and I was like, I've never heard of that before. Period. I mean, it makes sense. Nothing wrong with it, I guess. And right. Everybody probably, he probably just is like, hey, everybody assumes you do it. Why not just talk about it? Well, yeah, I didn't even think about it. Like, didn't even register to me that that's something that you would do. I mean, I don't know how much good it does, but you would, every little bit can help. And he is a guy who he's been doing this for three decades at least, and he's well-connected. I think he's one of the most highly respected guys in his line of work. And so that's got to count for something. He's going to call in his markers on Nebraska making the NCAA tournament, (laughs) getting to Dayton as an at-large. Just like imagining like fruit baskets and stuff like that just start showing up randomly next week at – Offices of people on the selection committee. I imagine some little like payola. Moose. Moose doesn't send fruit baskets. You're just getting the full complimentary Omaha steaks. Scotch, probably scotch. <laughs> yeah, we have a bottle of scotch. Do we know? Is he a scotch guy? Has this been determined? I, I don't know. I, I was. I might have been speaking out of school there. <laughs> I don't know. A couple Omaha steaks and a win over Michigan should get you to Dayton at least. I would think, but that's that's the right formula. We've got all of next week to really hash that out, I feel like. We could probably do our own special podcast about tournament scenarios, each who to have, root for, who Each not. have your own bracket that everybody would be really dialed into. Yeah. We should each do our own bracket <laughs> before the tournament. Like, the next week, we all do our own 1 through 68, and then we decide who did best. Schaefer only has the Big 12 tournament winner in. <laughs> <laughs> you just have like a 10 seed spot reserved for whoever wins oh, the Big 12 God. tournament. Kansas. <laughs> my, my first, Kansas has to win to get in. Yeah, my first four out is like Montel Jordan, Cupid Shuffle. Just being ridiculous. In Oklahoma. Was, in Oklahoma, yeah. Football-wise, what did you miss? It's kind of a slow season. I'm not going to pretend that it's not, but uh, – I don't know. I've been I've been doing this series on the weight room watch. What I've called it. it's a real clever name, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Weight room watch. When you saw that for the first time, you're like, man. I was that's cl- why we brought this guy aboard. For- I, I clicked the hell out of it. I'll have you know. So <laughs> my favorite part was the first comment on any of your weight room watches was asking for actual video footage and or <laughs> yeah. photos of the weight room watch, which put you in your place. Yeah, you, you couldn't provide that. Yeah, then people realize, oh, this is just a guy who's writing stuff in February about what might be happening. But anyway, still interesting to me. And uh, I don't know, are there any guys, as you think about it, that you're, uh, I guess you're eager or intrigued to see when they walk out the first practice of spring after they've had some Zach Duvall time? Um, I'm interested to... To see a guy like Damian Daniels, like th- those the the linemen, I think are going to get a lot of attention that first time. I think that you know how those guys are kind of reshaped because you know as Scott Frost and other assistant coaches have kind of talked, which we've reported on extensively during the off season, 
it seems to be that the focus is on these linemen don't look like how they did in the 90s when Nebraska was winning. I think based on results last year and kind of how games played out, I don't think that that's really a stretch for people to believe. And I, I think that's probably where I would go first. I mean, specifically a guy that you wrote about, you know, Daniels is one because I think he's going to play this year and have to help Nebraska. Um, I, I think that's probably where I would go first because, I mean, he was already kind of a mountain of a guy. And you add some strength to him. I think that's a pretty good combination. The guy I'm maybe most excited about in terms of seeing where he's at this spring, and I don't even know how much he could really do because of his injury when it occurred in the the Purdue game, is Michael Decker. Hmm. Because I think that if you put a good center on an offensive line, you can make the rest of the line look better. And I think Michael Decker can be a good center. And if he comes in, he's in good shape. You know, he's back in rehab from his knee injury, he's ready to go, that is a spot that you can write in and build the rest of your line out from it, and it could really help out this group. I, I've always been a pretty firm believer that the center is, is a very valuable person. And Nebraska has had some real struggles in recent years with getting guys that can snap it on time, getting guys that can do these things. And Michael Decker's really been the first one since Justin Jackson that I think has – the combination of he can do it intellectually and the athleticism needed to get that snap off and pull if he has to pull mm-hmm. or chip away at the, the nose tackle or the, the defensive lineman that could be in front of him or get to the next level with the linebacker. I think that's one of those things we don't really talk about. When they lost Michael Decker last year, they just a bad offensive line got markedly worse. Mm. And I don't – I mean, they weren't even starting him to start the year, so he only had a few games stretch. But I thought it was pretty noticeable that when he played, they were better. Yeah, that's a good one. Two two guys on the O-line who haven't really played that I'd be interested in are Bo Wilson and Raritan. I mean, Bo Wilson, the curious case of Bo Wilson, you remember, he we thought he might start as a true freshman the opening week for a while. There was like that – that stint was it after the Foster injury, I guess, that mm-hmm. year. Gerald Foster got injured, and they had to figure out something at guard. And Bo Wilson, two weeks before the season, you think he's going to start. We wrote tons of stories about it that week. All the outlets did. Um, and then they ended up going with Sam Hahn, Wilson red shirts. And it's like you've never really seen what he can do, but you always the other staff would always talk about him. Like, yeah, he's got a motor and this and that. And I don't know. The, I have to think those two guys are eager – to maybe be in front of a new set of eyeballs. Yeah, I, I think Raritan too. I mean, it seemed like there were a, a small number of guys that were kind of bouncing around positions, you know, over the last maybe year or so. I mean, you know, Raritan was kind of at center and then he was at guard. And, you know, Bo Wilson was another guy who were like, oh, you know, maybe he could play center, uh, you know, switching sides at, at guard. I mean, it's. It just seems like those types of guys are going to benefit, like you said, from a new set of eyes, but just kind of a, a more solid plan going forward because it just didn't seem like, I don't know, when you play so many positions, you're not really mastering anything, and it doesn't really give the impression that the staff had a good plan for him. Yeah, and if I'm a backup and I hear the coaches publicly saying, yeah, these guys don't look quite right or they got we got to change their look, I'm thinking to myself, this thing is wide open. Like, these, these guys are – going to look for any option they they can to to change this thing around and so we, i mean we talk about every season about job competition and it it being open for everybody but never has that been as much the case i think as this year and i wouldn't would not rule out the idea that nebraska might even try to get by with bo wilson as a tackle hmm. i mean he played it in high school he'd be undersized but he's athletic he could do it I think that he has the tenacity that he can help you out. I mean, if it's if it's truly about getting him a spot and you're worried that he's covered up by Foster and Farmer or somebody else at guard, then I think that they could look that route. I think one of the things that if you're an interior offensive lineman, particularly at that guard spot, and you know that this offense, you have to be a more athletic lineman, I think that that plays in the favor of somebody like John Raritan or Bo Wilson. I mean, Bo Wilson was athletic enough that they could put him at that – uh, H-back spot on what was maybe the most creative thing they did all of last year on offense with what he did against, what, Minnesota mm-hmm. uh, up there. So I, I think that there's a, a good opportunity 
for the offensive line. And, and like you guys, I'm real curious what that first five is going to look like. Because the only two people I feel confident about are a healthy Michael Decker and Brendan Hymas. Hymas Everything at, else is kind of... at left tackle. Yeah. Farniak, I think, is penciled in at right tackle. I, he's probably got to do some work to make it in pen, but he's, I think he... Yeah. You're, you're right on those two, though. Yeah. I, I also mentioned on that list uh, Jalen Bradley in, at running back just because I always think of when I was doing a story on him in high school and Michael Huffman was – he was – you know, he really felt strongly that Bradley with work in that weight room and that nutrition could be like a 210-pound beast of a running back. And he was pointing out, you know, during high school, it's, you know, he worked out and all that stuff, but he's a high school kid. He's like eating Cheetos all the time and just junk stuff. And he was still in great shape. And he said, imagine if, you know, he cut some of that out and they, they are a little stricter with him there, what he can become. And I thought last year we saw him in limited action, but for a poor running game, it felt like when Jalen Bradley was out there, something good kind of happened. He, you know, he did some things. And also the, the Scott Frost staff liked him, you know, at Central Florida. They so, wanted him at Central Yeah, Florida. so they saw him as a guy who could fit in their offense, so you got to consider that too. I, mean, I remember Huffman told me a story about Bradley too. I think it kind of gets lost how physical of a runner he actually is. Um, they had these helmets that registered strong hits that then, you know, they would get this alarm would go off, and then you have – the trainers go and check to see if the kid was concussed or dazed or whatever. And Bellevue West had a certain number of players who were wearing them, and Bradley was one of them who wore them. Wore one of them. The entire season they had it go off twice, and both times it was where Bradley had just truck-sticked a guy and run over him yeah. so hard that it caused the, the helmet to go off. And he was fine, but, I mean, that, that just kind of gives you an idea of, of how hard he runs. And, at, I mean, going back to that Purdue game, that was, you know, he looked really comfortable in that game, and you kind of thought, okay, this is a, an opportunity for him to get in there because Nebraska wasn't moving the ball on the ground. And I want to say he played fewer than 70 snaps the, the entire season. Yeah. yeah. No, it was a he waste. suffered an injury that kept him out the next week, and then they were slow to bring him back. But it's one of those red shirts, and I, I always think – Deciding on red shirts is one of the toughest things of the job they have over there. It's easy to second guess, but that would be a case where you look at it now and you're like, did they really get enough out of, <laughs> you know, yeah. burning that? I don't think so, probably. Well, uh, is there anything in the recruiting world that we want to, to hit on? I know that Nebraska made an in-state offer and our very own Brian Christofferson was on the scene. Brian, what'd you learn? Yeah, Ethan Piper... Defensive lineman from Norfolk Catholic. He's 6'4", 280, he said last night. And Scott Frost called him up on Wednesday night and uh, offered him. And he's, he's got a visit scheduled to Iowa, as we reported, for this weekend. And Iowa offered him like three or four months ago. They were out in front on him. But he's a Husker-loving kid. And he's probably going to decide Monday is what he just flat out said. And it's it's going to be Nebraska. I mean, it'd be a stunner if it wasn't. Um, and that means that, you know, if that happens Monday of the first three commits of the 2019 class, you've got one kid from York, one from Scott's Bluff, one from Norfolk. And there's the beginnings of your class. Now, obviously two of those were uh, committed when Riley was still the coach, but uh, you know, this staff has said, not going to let those kids get out of state, not going to let them get to Iowa, Minnesota, those South Dakota State even, those type of schools. And uh, so far they're they're showing that they're going to do everything to make that true. Piper strike you as a, as a nose tackle? He said, you know, his size, you think that when you hear that size right away, especially when he's still got a year before he even gets here. But I think he can mold it kind of how he wants to, that frame. And he said defensive end is where he thinks, you know, right now. Okay. Obviously, that's a long shot so down the road. You can kind of reshape that, and he could easily yeah. be 270. I think, yeah, I think he's a versatile guy that you could probably do a few different things with. But, uh, you know, I haven't seen him play aside from the state championship game, so I'm not going to act like I'm some expert on him. But uh, Local expert Brian Christofferson weighs in on his, his piper. Mm-hmm. 
there he does his uncle was a friend with Scott Frost and his the elementary school principal at Norfolk Catholic is Bill LaFleur, Billy LaFleur, the punter who knows Scott Frost. And so this state's ridiculous. Frost was, you know, the fact that you rattled that off is kind of ridiculous too. But you also said it in a way that I should know who. You don't know. You don't remember is. Bill? No, I don't. He's got. He's on Wiki. I know that because I just. <laughs> when did he punt? Uh, let me make sure I get this right. He's he was in the NFL. Yeah, he was in that that long line of. Yeah, he was a good so punter. Was he before Stad? He was after. I'm going to get I it right believe. on so the morning Erstad Cush. LaFleur. He punted at Nebraska through 2000. Yeah, 2000 was his senior year. Then he punted in, in NFL Europe. Oh. And then also with the Chargers, 49ers. Was he on the Hamburg Dragons? Uh, Barcelona Dragons. Well, I got half of it. He was it. a backup to Jesse Cush for a while. Okay. They did have a good run of punters there. And then he, yeah, you went through the list with the Barcelona Dragons, Chargers, Niners. Oh, Billy LaFleur makes his first but appearance. But he, he gave a few, uh, he gave a shout out to Frost at this, that Logan, or Ethan Piper, I'm sorry, was a pretty good kid who'd fit well. So that's where I was going with it. <laughs> Amazing. Well, that's interesting. And then what's kind of interesting to me is those those three kids, and then you have Nick Heinrich and you have Chris Hickman, but Heinrich would be four. All four of those guys, four of the five in-state offers are on the defensive side of the ball, and that's kind of interesting to me. Um, and, frankly, I don't know enough about Ethan Piper to say one way or the other, but I feel pretty strongly that Garrett Nelson's a good offer for him and that – Garrett Snodgrass is a really good offer for him. Snodgrass could play a number of positions. Uh, I mean, they could use him as a as a Y tight end uh, or a Y receiver. They could use him as a linebacker. Um, the The talent for this 2019 group is really good. Mm-hmm. And then the talent in the state right now, I think, is on an upward trajectory at the moment anyways. Yeah, I mean, there's – you know, some guys already in 2020 that yep. you can point to that are probably going to be... They have Power 5 offers outside of Nebraska. Right. Yeah, I mean, you kind of wonder, too. I mean, does does Nebraska even wait for some of those guys to come to camp in the summer, or how do they kind of handle those offers? I don't know they can. Right. Well, you got Purdue all of a sudden offering guys in Nebraska. Jeff Brom and Let's Play Football. Yeah. Man, that's still the greatest. The fact they put that billboard up on 72nd and Dodge is pretty... <laughs> ridiculous jeff brom purdue it was a it was a ballsy move on jeff brom's part (laughs) when you have a billboard that says let's play ball i mean you're already showing a lot of emotion and fire right there too well didn't purdue take over uh like kaplan university too or something they did they're it's like a sleeper cell (laughs) university right you think they're they're, they're using that to hone in on (laughs) husker football recruits or in-state recruiting maybe Clever Amazing. move, Brom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm imagining Purdue Pete standing outside the Kaplan, former Kaplan yeah, campus. Like rubbing his big Purdue Pete chin. But, but just Brunt's, <laughs> Brunt sitting in his car across the way with binoculars watching. Just staking out. Yeah. I could see it. Well, that's good to know. One last Bill LaFleur line from Wiki. Bill frequently frequently is referred to Buffalo. I thought you were going to call him Bill freaking LaFleur there for a second, <laughs> which would have been awesome. Bill frequently is referred to Buffalo Bill LaFleur despite never playing for the Buffalo Bills. He is a scratch golfer and a teacher at Norfolk Catholic Schools. Oh, Bill LaFleur podcast. We've learned a lot, a lot today. I mean, we had... I, re- I remember him really well. He, he was a solid... His, he averaged 44.9 yards a That's punt. That's good. Career-long really 64 against Missouri. And that was, I mean, he didn't have to punt a lot either. He also buried opponents inside their 20-yard line on 17 occasions. Buried is a great <laughs> sports writer word that's overused. Is, is that on Wikipedia? Yeah. Nice. Some sports writer like me put that one up there. Buried? Yeah. Buried them inside the 10. Well, I mean, <laughs> nothing. no one says buried like Paul Allen. <laughs> yeah. As Bruns well knows. That was a heck of a car ride home. 
Was it the Seahawks? Which, which time? There was the Packers <laughs> and the Seahawks, and the Vikings didn't win either of them. Who do the Vikings play the day after the Michigan trip? i got to look that up. You're going to be in for some fun. Yeah, well, I'll make sure to rent a small compact car and drive it back from Indianapolis when the Vikings are playing. Like Drew Ponder threw that interception, and that car damn near rolled over yeah. by the strength of my hammering window. <laughs> Um, speaking of pro football, the NFL scouting combine currently taking place. We learned today that Tanner Lee has 10-inch hands. Um, what are you guys expecting to see from the quintet? Is that, is that There's, yeah. quintet of Huskers um, headed to the combine, including Drew Brown? I, I didn't even realize that kickers really went to the combine because you don't really see that on TV of guys just drilling field goals very often. But Yeah, Brett Maher was there. Alex Henry was there. They use a different football too. Did you know that? I did. I is, is that what the big deal is? To see how they they handle the I different think so. ball. It's tough. I I did a story a couple times on kickers through the years, and it is a bigger challenge. Like that's why sometimes when you watch a NFL punter or kicker, I think to myself like, why is this ball not traveling as far as I see it on Saturday? It's a different kind of ball. K ball they call it. I am. Uh, I'm pretty intrigued. Learned something new here today. <laughs> You're just learning. All I know. I'm just like taking notes over here. Uh, I, I'm excited to see Nick Gates. I was told that he's kind of had a transformative last six weeks or so. On uh, his camp is pretty excited about the numbers they think they can put up at the combine. His, so his camp, his camp. <laughs> what you think? I don't have sources, Brunt. No, I just I like to imagine Nick Gates having a camp. As he's all. got a camp. I don't know if it has a fire or a teepee or anything, but it's got a camp. And they feel confident about where he's at and that physically he had a really good run-up, lead-up to this. So uh, I'm, I'm curious. That's going to be the guy everybody's going to track. If he gets drafted, he made the right decision. If he didn't, he'll be a cautionary tale forever. Actually, there'll still be people that if he gets drafted, thinks that he made a terrible decision, but whatever. It's panned out for the last uh, work for Vincent Valentine, all right? I don't know if Nebraska, maybe BC knows this, if Nebraska has had a guy in or early that did not get drafted. I don't think so. Um, this is the riskiest of the moves as far as that yeah. is concerned. The rest of them have been like Yeah, you were sure it was going to happen. Like, you know, Vince, I think people were pretty surprised when when Vincent went. They, they were thinking he might be fourth or fifth round, but you still knew he'd get drafted at least. The Well, offensively, the last guy that went early was – it would have been Brandon Jackson, right, before? Yeah, yeah. second-round pick. It's a, it's a different time. I think some people still, because I hear from them, go by the idea, like, why is that guy coming out? If They, they look at it as if he's not like a top-20 pick – you made a mistake, and I don't think that's the common thought anymore. I think yeah. more and more players are, you know, if I can make a roster and it's one less year of wear and tear on my body and I'm getting paid for it, I'm going to do it. You're getting paid exceptional money. Yeah. Even if you make a practice squad, you're getting paid very good money. Like, I mean, this is a a huge deal, and so I – I don't ever begrudge anybody that chooses to go early. Well, I, especially guys like Sir. I mean, Searles, Quali, I mean, Givens, Price. I mean, those guys have kind of played their way on the rosters. Stare up, yeah. Gates. Slossin. This isn't a probably a great comparison because Carl's Knicks had just an NFL body. Like you could recognize that even in college. But I do remember people were pretty down on Carl Knicks at when he left Nebraska, and then he there was something off the field that happened where he through a party and some guys got in trouble too but you know he ended up for a while being one of like the most sought after offensive tackles in the nfl like after he left and so i i've always looked at it kind of since then as like well you never know and sometimes you got to separate yourself from the forest a little bit you're so deep inside there you you don't see how others might see a guy if if he if the switch goes on for him yeah absolutely Anybody else of a Chris Jones? Who? Chris Jones, Kalu? Chris Jones, Kalu, Brown, Lee, Gates. Okay. Kalu will be interesting, I think. You know, he's listed as a safety on the combine, but I kind of wonder if, you know, he gets more looks as a corner. Nickel. Yeah. I mean, I Bob Diaco's opinion aside, I think he probably had his best days as a corner at Nebraska or uh, Nickelback, so – yeah, I think that he could play safety, though, 
I mean, if you put a decent defense in front of them, you're not having to plug every possible hole or, you know, whatever it was that they were doing. Yeah, well, the versatility, too, of being able to play in multiple sets. How much can Tanner Lee answer this week, I wonder? Because, I mean, he's – He'll be thrown against air, right? I mean, it's not – he's always done well with that. So I wonder – I mean, he, he'll do well in the interviews. I have no question with that because he's, he's that type of impressive guy in front of the microphones. But I wonder with the on-field stuff how much further he can go with it, really. He's going to get drafted. I'm almost positive of this. He will be drafted. It's just going to be a question of how far did his senior day and, and the performance there – how far did that, not senior day, but the senior bowl, drop him? I I mean, there's such a dearth of NFL quarterbacks that people are going to look at him, look at his arm, look at what he does here, and you said against air, and think, okay, I'm going to be the guy that's going to, you know, unleash all of this. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a massive amount of potential on his right arm. And he fits every sort of, you know, as Brunt says, checks all the boxes, so – Someone's going to draft him. I have no doubt about that. I find the NFL doesn't, in some ways, they almost disrespect in a way what happens like on the field in college. It feels like to a very large degree. Well, yeah, if Lamar Jackson's a wide receiver to NFL yeah. personnel, then which I I think that he could play quarterback in the NFL too. I mean, I've seen enough bad quarterbacks. Phil Simms says he's the best quarterback in the NFL draft this year. Lamar Jackson? Mm-hmm. When Bill Pullian and all these other people were saying his best bets at wide receiver. Yeah. I'm just repeating what I heard. Well, I know you keep an ear to the ground as far as what Phil Sims has to say about most things. So He was flooding my time. You've got sources in the Phil Sims camp. Yeah. That he's he's am I in his camp or is he in my camp? Well, I mean you don't have a are, camp. Are the camps nearby? Do you have a camp? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm part of your camp. You're in my camp? Yeah, if you text with somebody there in your camp, I okay. think. I, okay. I, I got a camp. If you text like a line about an A spring training game with somebody, that person's in your camp. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was kind of shit talking the spring training scores the other day. <laughs> Glad you can find something to be excited about. Yeah. And then they lost, so well, well there you go. So uh anything else? Yeah. Here, <laughs> Prediction time? How well, far, we how didn't far? mention something else you learned today. We, last year, you and I, we measured hand size on we did. on this of the holiest of days of information mm-hmm. with the, the NFL Combine, and we found out that BC... Eight and a fourth, which I don't think is very good. Well, that's why you were such a good soccer player, we decided, right? <laughs> that's why I had to become an all-state soccer player. You weren't a... Don't look that up. It was definitely all-state. You weren't a goalkeeper. No, no, I wouldn't. With those, hands. I wouldn't have been able to get to the top corner. <laughs> you measured today, yeah. and we discovered that either we had gotten it wrong last time, or your hands are shrinking. Yeah, over still over nine inches. Yeah, that's um, pretty good. But yeah, the, a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm getting withered, I guess. It was, it was impressive when you put when you put DC it on the table. Was, was I did? I made like really impressed when you got your <laughs> your fingers. There was definitely the an audible exhale. Well, it's like he didn't know that that's what he needed to do. So, Well, you look at that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we had you at like nine and three eighths last year. Yeah. I'm getting old. <laughs> I don't know. There's ways you can kind of fudge it because at first I was giving myself like an extra bit there. Well, once, once Schaefer grabbed, once he grabbed your wrist and held you down on the table <laughs> and we really got an, an accurate measure. getting graphic here. <laughs> And ridiculous. Uh, we got a, a little <laughs> bit need better. Explicit next to our content on the iTunes and wherever it is you get your podcasts. We're all over the place. We're on Google Play. All We're right. on Stitcher. Man, iTunes. We are SoundCloud. On yeah, I didn't know that. You can get us any of those places. I don't now. even know what that stuff is. It's <laughs> that doesn't surprise. Me. It's outside. The, it's outside the camp. <laughs> it does not. For all the things we've learned about VC, that's one thing I bet I knew going in. So yeah, find us there. All right. Did you just close the show? No, I didn't. You I wanted was, a prediction. I, I was doubling back on predictions. How far in uh, into the Big Ten tournament does Nebraska make it this weekend? They that, lose in the championship game to Purdue. Mark it down. Whoa. That's where you're saying? Yeah. 
Did, who, did they beat Michigan or Iowa in their first game? They beat game? Iowa, and then they beat Michigan oh. State. We were talking about how that would be a real kick in the jewels if they yeah, lost to Iowa. It's a real shot to the pill. I, I think Iowa's going to win. I don't I don't think that's the worst. People will know by the time they tune into this probably about yeah. but uh, somebody's going to be wa- somebody's listening to this right now watching Fran McCaffrey pick up his first technical <laughs> yeah. foul of the day. Via, they're down, they're down 12. 20. <laughs> well, my two team parlay already failed as Maryland lost to Wisconsin today. So take it to the bank, folks. So, so you now say I'm, now I'm doubling down on Iowa. So, so you say title game against Purdue? Yeah, Purdue wins. Well, they're in if they do that. I I agree. I think Bronx. there's a chance they're in if they win this next game, regardless of whether it's Iowa. Or what do you Michigan. say? I think I think they're going to struggle with Michigan in that four or five matchup. I'm going to predict a Nebraska, a narrow Nebraska loss in that mm-hmm. game, and then a week of just insane bracket talk and hand wringing. It's tough. It's I think it's tough to beat a team who I see as their equal twice, and they beat them by 22. And also I. Sometimes I think a team, like, let's say Michigan wins and they've played a game in that setting. I think sometimes that team has an advantage for their second game. Now, I think it catches up with them over the weekend, like when they get to the third game and you start to see tired legs. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think through two games, the team that has played one has the advantage. Sort of like you see with the playing games in Dayton. You notice, like, every year, like, one or two of those teams will make a little run. And I think it's because they kind of got it out of their system in Dayton. Which was why it'd be kind of fun if Nebraska actually was there and because and they won that game because I think they could do something off of it. But I'll say they win a close one at Michigan, then lose on Saturday, which in itself will be cool. This was Captain Obvious on Twitter, but I was thinking about like if they play Saturday, they're playing Michigan State in Madison Square Garden on CBS on Saturday afternoon. You could make an argument that is as big a setting as Nebraska basketball has been a part of. And I don't think that's like overdoing it really. Because no, they're they, in the semifinals of the Big Ten yeah. tournament. They, I mean, they've made it this far three times since they joined the Big Ten. They lost to Ohio State. They blew an 18-point lead in that game. Mm-hmm. They lost to Maryland in a three-point contest, I think, two years ago when Andrew White was a junior. Mm-hmm. And then this year we don't know they've never made it to the semifinals in the big 10 they won the big eight once yep they never made it to the semis in the big 12 i always thought one of the cool things about nebraska joining the big 10 is actually this tournament and like if they could make a run well that's the sunday game before yeah that's why if they'd made it this year it'd be kind of i I said that on one of the previous podcasts because it'd be cool if they're playing in that game at three o'clock just before the selection show one year but Jim Delaney says no. He really wanted that 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 Rutgers home game. Yeah. Did you uh, do you guys like the conference tournaments? Do you find yourself watching any random conference tournament games? I know you used to be a West Coast basketball guy, but you're not anymore. I still am. I, I I'll At tune in. What I've heard, really, from your camp, which is you. <laughs> I, I still sent you a couple texts. You're like, hey, I'm not watching. I, I I generally just tune into St. Mary's games now. I, I'm not like Pepperdine and like Loyola Marymount those types of games, but um, I I usually catch a little West Coast Conference basketball. Occasionally the Mountain West if it's on. You? Yeah, if I won't watch a full game of a lower conference, but if if it's a title game and there's like six minutes left and it's within five points, I'll dial in. Because then, to me, it feels like it's an NCAA tournament game, yeah. basically. So I, I can get behind that. Are you are you watching, like, MEAC games? I'll watch First round summit. games? I'll watch those. Um, I will, during that, like, first week when they just have random games on at various times, I will tune in. I distinctly remember watching uh, Vermont COA, a big victory, that then it was the same Vermont team that, upset Syracuse a year after they mm-hmm. they had a player whose name I can't remember is Taylor or something uh, that scored like 37 points to win in overtime to, to get to that tournament game um, I, I just enjoy enjoy the small conference tournament championship games and like you said I'm generally not sticking in there for the full two hour experience but if you give me close and late with like 
eight minutes to go, I'm in. You're, you're and dead. I'm going to pick a favorite between those two. And I'm going to be very uh, – I mean, if if there was in-game betting involved, it could be real bad. Well, are you, are you going to be in Vegas during this? Well, no. I'll be in Vegas during the, the NCAA tournament. So you're going to in-game bet then? I don't know. I didn't – because you got to be in one spot for that. Yeah. And we we move around. So I'd have to talk to the people that have it all set up. I'm just a follower. I don't do anything. I feel like you're going to want in-game bet at least one oh, game. I'm sure I will, but I also know that I won't have any money to then bet anywhere else. So, Or a lot. Or a lot to bet elsewhere. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> I see where you went there. Yeah. I see where you went there. BC's looking at me like, this degenerate over here mentioned gambling 13 times. Okay That's what that. I hear from your camp. A lot of gambling. It's not like my game. I've, I said more embarrassing things on this podcast than, than you just did. Oh, I'm not gambling. embarrassed. I, no. I just meant that, I mean, you, you were giving me a look like no, no, no. Brent I'm, Musburger I, earlier, over there I, talking I, gambling. Earlier off, I just read, I read Montel Jordan lyrics. Seriously, that like can damage you. <laughs> you, you told us about your lyrical reading. <laughs> when, I, when I read Juvenile in college. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. This podcast is something else today. Is there anything we didn't hit on? And I wouldn't know because I don't. No, I mean, we hit, we got genuine. We talked Montel Jordan. We talked hand size. I think we hit all the highlights. Scott Frost is still popular. Yeah, we played the hits. The punter that I didn't know about, Bill LaFleur. Billy LaFleur, yeah. Buffalo yeah. Bill LaFleur. Mm-hmm. His close friends know him, where he's also a scratch golfer up at El Dorado Hills and Norfolk. Yes. So it's exciting. We should make sure that Bill LaFleur gets a copy of this podcast. You might hear it. That they could link it on the Wikipedia page, and then other people might hear it. Yeah, that would be good. Like this podcast is being cited as information <laughs> on his Wikipedia page. Bill Lafleur was the subject of a twelve-minute conversation in the seventy-seventh <laughs> episode of the Nebraska twenty-four-seven podcast on March first, two thousand eighteen. That was back when Nebraska, real quick, had like punters. They always had guys like that who they might play punter, but they were just great athletes too. Like you could tell they could. I mean, they could have put him in in like a pinch at defensive back as like a backup, and he probably would have been okay. They had like good athletes like that all over the place. It just felt like that's what Nebraska's trying to get back to: punters that can play, athletic punters. Yeah, I mean Sam Fultz was definitely that the late Sam Fultz, but uh, um, yeah, so that. Bill LaFleur, I think I'm glad we got him in here today. All right. Well, with that last thought from BC on Bill LaFleur, <laughs> if nobody has anything else, we will come at you next week where we will know the fate of Nebraska's Big Ten tournament appearance. There will probably be more offers. BC suspects there could be a commitment. We'll probably yeah. learn a new and interesting factoid about his life circa college or high school. Yeah, I'm running and out of stuff. I, I bet you're not. <laughs> Everything else. So catch us as always at Nebraska.247sports.com for all of our content. Uh, I will hopefully be providing here in the next few days with yeah, actual hopefully. stuff. Hopefully. I know it's, it's <laughs> caused some dissension in the room. Uh, but if you just prefer to listen to us, we will be back next week with the Nebraska 247 podcast.